0: Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture, presented by Cape and Cowell Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today we're going to talk about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, a little spotlight episode here. But first, wanted to mention Silicon Valley Comic Con. Yes, indeed. The Comic Sauce Podcast is an affiliate of SVCC, the Silicon Valley Comic Con. And this will be our final plug for the show because it is this weekend. Today is Tuesday, April 3rd. And yeah, this weekend, Friday, April 6th through Sunday, April 8th is svcc so be sure to check it out it is an awesome comic-con all right so on to scott pilgrim so yeah as you can see i am rolling solo for this episode and as i am one to do when i roll solo i tend to just kind of go off on stuff that i really love and This movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, I do truly, truly love. In fact, I will say beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is my favorite movie of all time. So I think I may have mentioned it before, uh, but thanks to a little recording session I participated in at this past summer's San Diego Comic-Con 2017 SDCC Uh, I was able to get into a number of uh, TV commercials on the Sci-Fi channel and on one of them I did mention how this movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is my favorite movie of all time so I'm damn proud of that fact because it still remains my number one flick and um Yeah, let's get into it. I did just watch this today. So again, today, April 3rd, I did watch this movie in its entirety for like the zillionth time. Uh, But man, I got to say, it totally holds up. It's still number one for me, man. And um, we do have to mention, of course, that not only is it a masterpiece of a movie, but the material that it is adapted from is also a masterpiece. Um, One of the best indie comics ever, the Scott Pilgrim series by Brian Lee O'Malley. Um, So great source material and a legendary movie. So what else can we say? Yeah, uh, we got to talk about the creator. So again, Brian Lee O'Malley created this comic series, It's been a while now. So he uh, first released Scott Pilgrim in 2004. So it's been 14 years since that first volume came out. And uh, the movie, the movie's kind of old now too. The movie released in 2010, so uh, eight years back, right? Uh, And it's notable, uh, the comic is notable in that, It is uh, one of those creations where the artist and the writer are one and the same. Brian Lee O'Malley did the artwork and the writing. And uh, like I said, it's brilliant. It it is super funny and it's um, pretty unique, you know. Like if you just look at it casually, it is is very reminiscent of of manga you know i think uh, one of his primary influences is manga Uh, osamu tezuka in particular Uh, but it doesn't read like manga it is a very uh north american story i say north american because it is um canadian brian lee o'malley is canadian and um the toronto area uh, plays heavily into uh, the stories, uh, the book, as well as the movie. So, yes, go on to the movie now. So the movie is directed, of course, by the great Edgar Wright. And I have uh, professed my fandom for Edgar Wright a number of times previously. And, uh, you know, in a body of work that is amazing you know with Baby Driver with the Cornetto trilogy I mean that stuff is phenomenal in that body of work this really stands out as the best I think I mean uh, you know I'm sure Edgar Wright fans uh, we could have a big long debate on this and we could include the TV series Spaced as well which is awesome um, but for my money, it's Scott Pilgrim. This is his best work so far. I mean, he's got a long career ahead of him still. Uh, but uh, so far, this is this is the one for me. And uh, he had his hands in a lot of this movie. He was not only the director, but also the producer, as well as the writer. And another note on both Brian Lee O'Malley and Edgar Wright, I had the great, great pleasure of meeting both of these gentlemen at uh, San Diego Comic-Con on a couple different instances. And uh, they're both super sweet guys, and uh, both are obviously brilliant. So, yeah, that was a great, great honor, meeting those guys. So um, what else can we say about this movie before we really dive in? You know, right now, I think it stands as kind of a, like a cult hit, And the reason for that status is because even though critically it has done well, it did not do well at the box office. It was definitely a box office dud. And it just makes me think about, you know, past episodes we've done on this podcast, we've talked a lot about, well, don't take for granted movies that are not... Received well critically, you know, we had that whole episode about Rotten Tomatoes and how some of the scores are pretty outlandish, right? And a big theme that Rainier and I had on that episode was Well, just because a movie gets a bad RT score doesn't automatically make it garbage Automatically make it like, oh, don't even bother I think the same can be said about box office numbers you know, box office is significant because it definitely dictates what happens in the world of Hollywood there's been a lot of talk about the great box office of Black Panther and you know a lot of us are, are celebrating the fact that it made a lot of money and the reason is you know it, it really kind of breaks down barriers in terms of you know people of color getting work in Hollywood. I think that's a big triumph, but I don't think it should be mistaken for, oh, because it made a lot of money, that makes it a great movie. I don't think we should make that mistake. I think there are a lot of movies like Scott Pilgrim that didn't make a lot of money at the box office and yet, you know, should not be taken for granted. I mean, this is my favorite movie of all time. And if you were to judge it based on box office alone, it's a mistake, man. Recently, I saw the, the Howard the Duck movie. So this is another, like, cult classic kind of movie. Notorious for being a total box office dud. You know, it, it barely had a release in the theaters. And it's kind of been widely acknowledged as being just a total disaster. You know, a terrible movie that made no money. And, you know, I did see it, and while, you know, it's not exactly Citizen Kane, right, but I had a lot of fun with that movie, you know? Same theme here, right? Even though it hardly made any money at the box office, it doesn't mean automatically we should just sweep it under the rug, pretend it didn't happen, right? So, um, definitely take note there. I mean... Here are just two examples, right? And I'm I'm not saying Howard the Duck is, like, some masterpiece, right? But, you know, it's a movie that I had a lot of fun with. And with Scott Pilgrim, this is, like, a certified masterpiece in my opinion, okay? All right. Uh, what else can we say? Um, you know, with the release of uh, Ready Player One out in theaters now, I've been noticing there's been a good amount of talk about video games and movies, right? And a lot of it is the fact that there really hasn't been a good video game movie, you know? And I think a lot of people are looking at Ready Player One as like, oh, hallelujah, finally, a video game movie done right, you know? Now, I haven't seen Ready Player One yet, um, but it's not exactly a video game movie, right? It's not a video game movie in the same way that you know, Assassin's Creed or Tomb Raider or Mortal Kombat are video game movies. Like those are movies that are directly adapted from video games. Ready Player One is like a movie about gamer culture, right? And the reason I bring all this up is because Scott Pilgrim versus The World is kind of in that camp too, right? It's sort of like it's not a movie based on a video game, but it definitely has its roots in video game culture, right? So, uh, before we proclaim Ready Player One as being, you know, the first uh, gamer movie done right, you know, uh, I, we should, you know, tip our cap to uh, Scott Pilgrim. You know, I mean, in the same way, people are saying that Ready Player One is really um, what gamer culture is all about. Scott Pilgrim, I think, should be looked at in the same way, right? Um, So it's not a movie just about video games, but there is a lot of video game influence throughout the movie. So just wanted to note that. Okay, so, you know, with this movie, I mean, I can go all day talking about this movie, uh, but I will say this, you know, uh, I do have an IMDb uh, login. I did write one review on IMDb, and guess what? It's for <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So um, it, it is on IMDb. Uh, you can look it up. Uh, but I also, I also thought I'd just kind of read the review here. It's not super long, so I'll just kind of read it verbatim here. Okay, so this was written on December 14th. 2014 so a few years back and keep in mind i talk about edgar wright's filmography a little bit in the review and keep in mind that baby driver at this point had not been released it came out in 2017 so this is years before baby driver came out uh... so keep that in mind um... like i said my proclamation of scott pilgrim being a masterpiece and his best work doesn't change with Baby Driver, you know, I think Baby Driver was great, that was my favorite movie of of last year, of 2017, but it definitely didn't bump Scott Pilgrim off of, like, my, like, number one Edgar Wright movie list, you know, Uh, so keep that in mind, and also keep in mind, with Baby Driver, there's a lot of similarities with Scott Pilgrim, like, I think both movies showcase Edgar Wright's leanings toward action and music. I think there's no question, like both movies are like chock full of action and music. And it's totally clear that the person who made both of these movies is like a total action movie geek and a total music geek. You know, it's it's clear. Um, I think we're scott pilgrim really has the edge is that it's a lot funnier than baby driver it's hilarious and i think for that reason it is a lot more entertaining okay so let's go right into uh, this review from imdb so i titled the review edgar wright's masterpiece edgar wright damn this guy is one talented sob He has a unique knack for delivering the goods on multiple levels. Jaw-dropping action merged with razor-sharp comedy, straightforward narratives combined with complex and thought-provoking subtexts. Not to mention the efficiency in his editing, his always great use of music, and his ability to draw excellent performances from his actors. He is most known for his Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. Three magnificent films that I hold near and dear to my heart, but his true masterpiece is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. You wanna know how to adapt a comic book? This is how you do it, folks. Completely capturing the playful tone of Brian Lee O'Malley's source material and really staying faithful to the awesome characters and storylines. Some have said, Wright stays a bit too faithful, going overboard by staging every single Evil X battle from the comic. And had he styled each battle the same way, it could have gotten a bit tiring. But the fight scenes in the film are all totally inventive and quite different from each other, satisfying on so many levels. Come on. Vegan police, completely brilliant. And goddamn, it's Michael Cera versus Captain America, then versus Superman, then versus Max Fisher from Rushmore. All incredible and hilarious fights. Wow. Maybe best of all, Wright really flexes his filmmaking muscles and shows us great range here. Can he make great films outside the UK? Can he make great films without Simon Pegg? Can he handle a big budget? Yes, yes, and yes. Nothing this guy can't do. Scott Pilgrim is the masterpiece that proves it. And that's the review. So clearly, I'm a big fan. <laughs> and uh, again, this is written a few years back, and I just watched it today. And dude, it totally holds up, man. And uh, just a few notes on that, that little review I wrote. I wanted to call out... A couple things so I mentioned how the movie is I mentioned how oh yeah that it's it's very faithful to the source material and it is it really is um from my understanding Brian Lee O'Malley was um really close to the production of this movie he was utilized heavily as an advisor and um It's crazy. The sixth and final volume of his Scott Pilgrim comic book series released. It was like the month before the movie released. So he was writing it and drawing it at the same time that they were making this movie. So um, it was kind of crazy. Like usually an adaptation comes out years after the source material is complete, at least. Uh, That wasn't the case here. Um, he was, like, working on his books at the same time that this f- film was being made. And at the same time, he also was involved in the production. So kind of an interesting, you know, behind the scenes there. But going back to the, uh, the faithfulness, you know, it is really a faithful adaptation. If you've read the books, um, you'll know that it stayed really close the movie stayed really close to, to the books. A couple of things to mention, uh, the book series was six volumes and, you know, clearly there's just a lot more with the books. And I think, um, you know, with a movie they couldn't have included everything. Right. And I think the primary stuff they left out was backstory. Uh, So there was a pretty key character called Lisa Miller in the comic books that was pretty much excluded entirely from the movie. There is a mention of her, uh, but she does not appear in the movie. And um, yeah, a lot of backstory was was omitted. So if there was one thing uh, that you could say, oh, it's not totally faithful, that would probably be it. The other major thing I would say is the, the great Katayanagi twins who were the uh, fifth and sixth evil X's. So in the movie, uh, they are pop stars, you know, they're musicians that that do like the final battle of the bands with Sex Bob-omb. In the books, they're totally different. They are robotics experts. And, you know, instead of Scott Pilgrim battling them um, in kind of a musical format in the movie, he actually battled like robots that they created in the comics so that was a pretty uh, major change but just the fact that they were in the movie at all uh, was awesome and it was I think it was not a huge change to make the musicians rather than uh, robotics experts okay what else can we say here alright oh so one thing I gotta mention I mean as you guys have heard from me uh quite often on on the podcast i, I do call out like problematic areas with uh, tv shows and movies and you know like this movie is is awesome it's hilarious and it's it's pretty uh it's pretty light it's not a very serious movie um but that's not to say it's completely free from any problem areas, I don't think there's really anything that is completely not problematic, right? Uh, So I have heard that, um, you know, there are some issues about the exoticized Asian female. That's the knives Chow character, of course. And then, of course, uh, with uh, the leading uh, female character, Ramona Flowers in the movie, she is basically the, the textbook definition of a manic pixie dream girl, right, Uh, so, you know, watching the movie, I really didn't have any problems at all, (laughs) you know, I mean, I love this movie, but even from, from a, like a, a critical cultural eye, uh, I didn't really have any problems, but I could see where um, those, arguments uh, are valid, and, you know, I was thinking about it, and maybe it is the the gamer roots of of, uh, this movie, you know, the movie is a faithful adaptation from the comics, and the comics are definitely influenced by video games, and, you know, Uh, we've talked about this before with Gamergate and whatnot, but there's definitely this sort of toxic male culture behind a lot of video games. And, you know, a lot of video games, the ultimate goal is to save the girl, to get the girl, whatever. And, you know, a lot of the narrative from this film is driven by, you know, uh, gamer tropes, right? So, I will say that, and uh, like I said, I don't really have a problem with it, but it's worth noting. It's definitely worth noting, um, and I have heard it before some of these issues have been brought up. Okay, so, you know, another thing I wanted to talk about here is the cast from this movie. So I mentioned in the little review I wrote that Edgar Wright tends to get really good performances from his cast, and that is certainly the case uh, for this movie, Scott Pilgrim. And um, interesting, too, because the cast is great, and now that it is a few years old, it is interesting to see how some of the the actors from this movie have really progressed in their careers, you know. Obviously, uh, Chris Evans has gone to superstardom after this movie. So Chris Evans is, of course, Captain America in the MCU, and he is awesome in this movie. I would say his best non-Captain America performance. And uh, he plays Lucas Lee, the second deadly X, and he's super hilarious. He, he plays this skater who has become an actor, and uh, he has uh, some great scenes in this movie. And... Um, Also, speaking of the MCU, Brie Larson is in this movie. She is also amazing. So Brie Larson is uh, going to play Captain Marvel. So she is a future MCU star. She's also an Oscar winner. So she really went on to great things after this movie. But, you know, whatever she does... Uh, from this point on or even like the point after she did Scott Pilgrim <laughs> to me there's really nothing that could top her performance as Envy Adams in this movie she is amazing she completely kills it as Envy Adams and uh, she's super funny and she has this great presence to her particularly in the scene uh, where she and her band uh, which is called The Clash at Demon Head when they perform at a concert and you see her and, and she has this complete rock star persona it's really something else to see i mean some might not even know that brie larson is in this movie it's not a huge role um but she is in it and she is great in it absolutely great i uh, wanted to call out allison pill too so allison pill plays kim pine the drummer uh for scott pilgrim's band sex ba and uh she is super hilarious. She is probably the most sarcastic movie character of all time. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing, her sarcasm through the movie. I mean, um, if you've seen Jessica Jones, like Jessica Jones is pretty sarcastic, but nothing compared to Kim Pine in this movie. Um, she steals every scene that she's in. And there's there's tons of scene-stealing scenes in this movie, you know, Um, In the little review I wrote, I mentioned Superman and Rushmore. You know, Brandon Routh is in this movie. He's awesome. Um, Jason Schwartzman, who played Max Fisher from Rushmore, he's in this as Gideon Graves, the final evil ex. And uh, he's great. Uh, So many great performances in this, you know. Michael Cera, Scott Pilgrim himself, he's great. And, you know, I think at the time... A big part of uh, the box office failure was uh, Michael Cera fatigue. This was definitely a thing in 2010. Um, So post Arrested Development, Michael Cera did a number of movies where he played like basically the same character. And by the time Scott Pilgrim rolled around, I think a lot of people were just tired of it. And they're like, I don't need to see this movie because I've already seen him do this character like zillions of times. You know, I think, A, it's, it's a super brilliant movie, but B, I think there was some nuance to this character where it wasn't just, you know, that funny, nerdy guy that he had played for uh, many a movie, you know. Okay, yeah, so to sum up, I really just wanted this episode to be a love letter to this movie. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, a total masterpiece, man. And just wanted to you know, bow down, pay my respects, whatever you want to call it, and uh, call out the greatness that is this movie. And, oh, last little note, you know, I think without a doubt this is my favorite movie of all time. With the comic books, the comics are definitely great. I had mentioned that I think that these comics are among the best indie comics ever. You know, I don't think it's the best ever. I think I would give Sin City the title of best indie comic of all time. I certainly think that the Scott Pilgrim books are in the conversation, no question. And, you know, it's obviously a very different kind of comic compared to Sin City. I mean, on on a given day, you might not want to read, you know, the uh pulpy surrealism of sin city maybe you want something a little lighter you know have a laugh and uh scott pilgrim comics are definitely you know in that vein right and also it's worth noting that there there are colorized versions of the scott pilgrim comics so the the original comics are in black and white they're fantastic I would say the colorized versions are fantastic too. I really, I really dig these. You know, um, maybe I'm not being the the traditionalist I should be here, but I read uh, every panel of the colorized versions, and I think they're great. I think it's worth reading the original black and white comics. It's worth reading the colorized versions of the comics, and it's. Definitely, definitely worth watching the amazing movie that is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry.